0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Copepe on Unsafe Space. I'm Carter, and I'm here with Carrie, the bad mamma jamma, as always. Oh, also, it's Friday, August 16th. I was supposed to say that part. Hi, Carrie.
1: Yeah. See? Somebody else is having trouble with the dates. Um, yeah.
0: Well, I just forgot to say it all together. At least I knew what day it was.
1: That's, that's true. Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't forget that- to like and him- Please share our content around we were growing a lot on YouTube we kind of paused, but the more you can Like subscribe share the content by the way for those who missed our If you're interested to see what it looks like behind the scenes of a YouTube channel that is ideologically Wrong think filled like ours uh, You can go to our demonetization party. I had we had and I I scrolled through the I scrolled through the um, list of videos, and you can see stuff that's demonetized. Basically, they just demonetize anything that they disagree with, or or whatever. And by the way, Carrie, I was looking at the rules. You can't talk about anything controversial, which means you can't cover the news at all. But I'm Except- sure CNN gets ads. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure CNN can cover the news. Just no one else can cover the
1: news. Oh, totally. Any of the, the legacy media can cover whatever they want, and they're monetized.
0: Yeah, but, but you we, can't. We can't. Like, even when we talked about, like, our, Our ad to our um our video talking about Hong Kong, like no swear words. We didn't say anything controversial. Just talking about the Hong Kong protests. Demonetized. Wow. So
1: you know our friend uh, Mike Harlow. He is. I think he's supposed to be putting out his Patreon today. So you guys should check him out too. He's he was totally demonetized, and he was looking at his numbers before they did that. This is all. They just use the um. What's what's that little jerk's name? Carlos Maza oh him yeah Yeah. the guy from vox yeah maza yeah vodpocalypse they they use that as an excuse to further censor people they used his complaints as an excuse and so uh mikey guy demonetized at that point and he was looking at his numbers and he's like i could have been making a lot more money than i realized i thought it was just going to be pennies but i was making money and then that happened and that's so disappointing Yeah. yeah so anyway
0: so yeah please just please like share subscribe you can always go to subscribe star if you want to actually spend money. Um Carrie, speaking of money, I know you usually get really bored and tired uh, when you start talking about anything f- like related to finance. It's so boring. But, but you have to talk about this, so this why don't you introduce the topic?
1: Well, you we we are beforehand, Carter was trying to get pumped for this morning's episode. <laughs> <We're> both, <laughs> minimum wage, guys, minimum wage. Whew.
0: So you shared an article with me, Carrie. Yeah. Uh, You want to see it? Yeah, let's see it. Here's the article that Carrie shared with me and said, I want to talk about this. New York City has lost 4,000 jobs in the restaurant sector alone in the last year. I don't know that we should go through the article because none of this is surprising. I think we should talk about minimum wage generally. But, you know, uh, a bunch of businesses have closed. Roughly 77% of New York City restaurants have slashed employee hours. 36% 36% they said they had to lay off employees. 90% had to increase prices. Um, last year, the city lost about 6,000 restaurant jobs. <laughs> um, you know, a bunch of stuff that if you've read any... Actually, if you've ever run a company, this, none of this will surprise you. Uh, but, Carrie, I think your opinion on minimum wage has changed rec- more recently than mine.
1: Yeah, so I used to be. I think a lot of people on the left they vote for things they're they're idealists. And so they vote for things in in an idealistic way. But they don't often and I don't mean to paint the whole left this way, but I'm, you know, speaking from I did this and I know a lot of friends who do this a <laughs> bit that way. They vote for things that sound good but they don't follow through and see what the consequences of those policies were and if they actually played out the way that they they intended. So for example, when you hear minimum, well, we should pay people more, you know, let's increase the minimum wage. It's like, Oh, of course we should. That sounds great. Or healthcare should be free nobody should have to pay for it. And it's like, yeah, that's amazing. Let's do that. And so people will vote for these things, but not really look to see what the consequences are.
0: I'm glad you brought up the idealism a little bit, because I think if you have a philosophy that's based in truth and reality, the practical and the ideal are the the practical and the moral I'll say are the same thing but if you have a philosophy that's disconnected from reality then your ideals your morals are kind of like unicorns and rainbows and cotton candy farts for everyone it's like this you're disconnected from reality so you're like oh cancer should be legal uh, <laughs> you know everyone should have free healthcare everyone should have a nintendo everyone should like should everyone uh kind of but that's a that's like a very childlike way of looking at the world. Everyone should be happy billionaires. Sure. Should, they they should in a weird sense, but government can't make that happen. Um I So go ahead. Well
1: well so my opinion started changing around the time so after the 2016 election, after Trump won, and I was trying to figure out why he won. And people kind of are familiar with my story a bit if they watch our shows. But um, I well, started you basically
0: questioned the narrative that it was all racism, right? You were like, "Yeah." Well, we about
1: that. well yeah, because I was looking at facts, <laughs> <gasps> <laughs> and so heretic, <laughs> right? But but as we talked about, it was something. There were emotional things that led me to even question my ideology. So I wouldn't have looked at facts if it hadn't been for those things. Um, like watching, watching Trump supporters get, get attacked by people on the left and videos that just blew my mind and affected me emotionally. And there were a few other things like that, but, um, but anyway, so I was looking into that and my, and my whole belief system changed. It, it was slow. It took like two years, three years. It's still happening, I guess. But then I started trying to evaluate things independently and say, like Jordan Peterson really affected me a lot as you know. And one of the things he talked about was um, not lying and meaning not speaking other people's opinions. That speaking other people's opinions, it's a lie because you haven't really put in the thought necessary for it. And I, that really just hit me because I hadn't thought about it that way before. And I was so used to speaking other people's opinions, especially when you're an ideologue and you're in, I was an in the SJW ideological bubble and you're just sorting through other people's opinions and you're sorting through these tenets of belief and you're trying to find the correct one so that you say the right thing and you don't say the wrong thing. And, um, none of that is truth. And so I started trying to like, think about, well, individual policies. I'm from now on going to say, I I said, you know, from now on if somebody asks me a question or something, I'm going to say if I, well, I haven't done enough research to have an opinion on that yet. And oh my gosh, why don't people say that more often? That's just, that's truth, (laughs) you know? And so that means on some things, I'm still saying that because I haven't had time to look in it takes a while to look into different things. So people are like, oh, should like, like here's one I don't know about, should social media companies be regulated? I don't know what my opinion is on that because I've, and I have thought about that one a lot, but I still don't know. Um, But anyway, minimum wage, I started looking at that one. And that one was, once I looked at the facts on that, it was pretty obvious to me that oh this hurts people. It's like the same they're voting for it because they think it's going to help people. And they they view people who are against raising the minimum wage as not caring about people. But it's the opposite. It's like they oppose the raising the minimum wage because they don't want people to be laid off and get their hours cut and look at all these jobs that are lost in New York and um and so Anyway, that's kind of an evolution of how my mind changed on that one.
0: No, I, I like it. And I think I'm glad you brought up the kind of, well, I would say that they don't think it's going to help people. They're told it's going to help. They believe, but they haven't really thought about it. Um, so I, I want to, can I just, I like the approach minimum wage. So there's a lot of arguments you can make about minimum wage that are very practical, Right. I I like to start with just the moral argument to make very clear why, because because again, you brought up this like they think that you don't care, they think you're immoral, right? If you if you're opposed to minimum wage, so let's just take let's take a line out of the uh, pro-abortion feminist circles, a line that is objectively true: my body, my choice. Yes, your body, your choice. Now, obviously. There's nuance when it comes to abortion. I don't want to have an abortion discussion right now because there's another, quote, body involved. And you can argue about whether it's human or you have a right or whatever. That's not this discussion. But my body, my choice is a a statement that resonates with people because it is true. We all want to feel like we own our bodies and we do morally own our bodies. Now, that includes the choice of what you do with your body. For example, do I offer my body to move my hands in a certain way to sweep the floor to make it clean at a certain price. That's my choice. It is my choice how much I charge to make my body do those things. That's very manual labor, but even if I'm doing intellectual labor, an intellect that's incorporeal actually is not part of this universe. So you need some method of taking your intellect and having it affect the world. Often that's your fingers or your tongue your vocal cords, whatever it is, you're doing something, you're writing or you're speaking, or whatever you're doing, that's your body moving in certain ways, you have autonomy over that. It's your decision, what you charge for those speeches, those words, those decisions you make that you articulate to people, whatever it is. So your body, your choice is a great line And it's fundamentally true, and it applies to minimum wage. When you want to offer your labor, no one should be able to tell you, you can't can't offer your labor for less than $15 an hour. You're not allowed to. You can't say, I'm willing to do that for $10 an hour. That's taking away your rights over your body and your life. And I I think that's a point that I think often gets lost on people. And I think what happens, Carrie, is... Tell me if this is a thing that happens. I see it from the left more than the right. But when when someone out in the world produces something and does something, like there's nothing there. Someone comes along, they invent something, they build something. Suddenly, everyone else thinks that they have a right to tell them what to do with that thing. Suddenly, it becomes like, oh society gets to decide how you do what, what you, Oh, there was no business there. You went and built a business and now you have a restaurant. Well, we get to tell you how to run it. Why? Where did that right come from? It's immoral to tell other people what to do with their stuff. Well, not to tell them, but to force them at gunpoint, which is every law. Remember the thing that makes it a law and not a suggestion is that cops come with guns to enforce it. If you don't do it. So it's a, it's immoral to tell people what to do with their stuff, their body, their business, all of that.
1: Well, so here's this is interesting. I've never heard of this argument. You're using one of their arguments, the pro-choice argument, in in a very brilliant way, and the and it works. It makes sense. I think I think I, I'm still thinking about that because they definitely they would use the same argument for their um, the SJW left is uh, sex positive, right, and sex worker positive, and yep they would be there of the opinion that you shouldn't be able to tell someone that they can, or can't sell their body and right. You can be a prosecute. That
0: right,
1: right, for that, whatever price would make. It. And they would use the same logic. Right. So how funny that they're like cool with Look, You can't tell her she can't sell her body for
0: $5. Right. Well, you can't, she can't sell her body for $5, but she could for 15.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, that's, that's their logic.
1: It's so <laughs> right. Funny.
0: Um, the other thing I want to make, I want to make a point about this because I think a lot of people that haven't built businesses, and I know you have, even though it wasn't a huge business, you built, you built a business and you had people working for you and interns and whatever. If you haven't built a business, a lot of times people view businesses as these weird separate things that are even actually a lot of anarchists claim that limited liability corporations wouldn't exist in anarchy. There would always be liability that flows through back to the owners i'm not convinced that that's true because there's practical reasons for having a an agreement between people that when you interact with them you recognize that this is an entity and the liability doesn't flow back to the other people um but a business really fundamentally is just an agreement between people that's all it is if you and i found a company together we have an agreement together if we hire someone there's another agreement that comes in if we take on someone's money Well, there's another agreement that gets signed. It's an agreement between all the stakeholders. A business is just an agreement between individuals. And so the individual rights that we have about what we're allowed to do with our property and our money, they flow through to our business because our business is an agreement between us about what we would like to do jointly. And we have rules about how we make those decisions and how we spend the money and blah, blah, blah. That's what a business, that's all a business is. So this idea that you have one party who would like to offer their labor at a certain price and another party who would has a price that they are willing to pay and we can't let them sort it out voluntarily we've got to have someone with a gun come in and point it at them and tell them you can't offer that and you know even if you offers this you can't pay that blah 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 you, like that is immoral. Fundamentally, that is immoral. And, and I think before we even get into the practicalities of it, that's immoral. Now, I also want to clarify, things can get a little bit complicated. If you're not paying your employees enough, someone could start a competing business and pay them more and pull the best employees away. You can have your employees have agreements with each other, which is called a union where they can collectively bargain. All that's voluntary, right? All that is voluntary interaction. And that's all fine. It doesn't involve someone pointing a gun saying what you can't do. It just says like, Hey, you want to pay us? You want to pay me $10 an hour? Well, we're all going to walk away unless you pay us all $12 an hour or whatever it is. Like that's, that's fine. And the employer can say, go, I'll walk away. I'll find different people. Or the employer can say, that's, it's worth just paying a little bit more to keep you. That's what bar, that's what collective bargaining is. So all this stuff can get complicated, but as long as it's all voluntary, this is people this is people offering fundamentally it's just someone offering their work for a price that they agree, and someone agreeing and if there's not an agreement, there's not a job there that people there's then there's no employment relationship
1: yeah does that all make sense? It does make sense. I like the way you lay it out. I think um I saw a cartoon recently, and I'll probably get it wrong a little bit, but it was basically. A guy uh, talking to like a shop owner, and he's like, "Hey, can I'm trying to get on my feet? Could you give me a job doing what you know, whatever, like like cleaning your bathroom and washing your floors, right?" Right. And and the guy says, "You know, sure, eight bucks an hour, I can do that." Mm-hmm. And then the and then the kid says, uh, "No, it'll have to be 15." and the shop owner's like, well, for 15, I could get someone who can clean the floors and also knows how to serve alcohol. So why wouldn't I just get a bartender? Like offering that $8 an hour gig is, is that's how much that is worth to that shopkeeper. And 15, it's like, there are other things I'm going to require you to need to know how to do. And I don't know. I just kind of, that also put things in perspective. for No,
0: I think it's great. You're talking you're kind of touching on this living wage argument. So let's get into the practical stuff. You're talking about this kind of living wage argument, like, Oh, people should make enough money to do blah, blah, blah. Right. And um, the truth is there's no law in the universe that guarantees that as long as you spend eight hours a day doing some task that should be sufficient for you to have a, you pay your rent and have a family. There's, there's no magical law of the universe. And Frankly, sometimes the way to look at things to, to see principles is to take things to their extreme and look at like the extreme cases and you recognize that something falls apart and then you start having questions so, then you start having to ask the question of like, well, when does that fall apart? Is that like does it mean the principles wrong? So let's take this as an example. If you sit in the corner and pick up lint with tweezers at a restaurant for eight hours a day is that should that be worth you supporting like paying rent and doing all that well it doesn't that kind of is obvious that that wouldn't be worth a quote living wage and the truth is there's no real objective fairness here you get paid what the mark like what other people voluntarily wants to pay you so the, the example that I think will resonate with a lot of people and I'm pretty sure it will resonate with you cause you were in the music industry. I was briefly in the music industry. Um, we all know super famous millionaire musicians who we think their music sucks. We think they shouldn't even be playing in a coffee shop. We think it's horrible, but gee, a lot of people really like it and they're rich and famous. We also all know what, are you talking about Jason Mraz? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know who that is. So. <laughs> but we all know people who, we all know musicians that we think are horrible, but the market, everyone else, like people disagree with us for whatever reason. People have given them money and their. We also all know musicians who we think are brilliant. We think they're the best ever. And they, can, and they have like a part-time job as a barista because no one wants to listen to their music. People don't get paid what's objectively fair. And I'm putting that in quotes. They don't get paid by, by what you think they're worth, the, the quote, objective or artistic value, or even the actual value they produce. They get paid based on what everyone else thinks they're worth and what they're willing to pay. And if everyone else really likes that kind of music, and they really don't like this other thing, well, that's what they get paid. In order, when you're in a society, a living wage means you produce enough value as measured by other people in your society that you can support yourself. If you do not produce enough value as measured by other people in your society, not anyone else, as measured by your community, then You don't have enough and you have to figure out a better way, a way to provide more value. Or maybe you have to get a roommate or you have to like go back moving with your parents, whatever it is, like you have to, you have to compensate for that. So this weird idea that like there's this, everyone should get a a living wage no matter what they do is fundamentally just... It, it's, it makes no sense, and you can you can look and you can see it by just taking things to the extreme and imagine ridiculous jobs, right? I would like to sit around and, you know, watch, you know, porn all day long <laughs> and write reports about it. Like, okay, well, no one wants to pay you for that, dude. That's not a job.
1: Well, right? actually, a lot of prof- – some professional SJW has that job, and they're probably – Oh, I'm
0: sorry. It. Okay. Yes. I was trying to think of the most ridiculous job, but you're right. But so.
1: you're – yes. Yes, someone you does at, want to pay for that. Uh, there's this great uh, group on Facebook called uh, "Stop the Insanity at UT." It's in. It's by um, this guy who's a, a UT alum who is basically calling out the all the SJW crap at his particular at one particular college, and he does a great job of tracking all of it. And he has started posting because there. Um, he started posting some of the more like bureaucratic kind of administration jobs, like what people are making. It's a matter of public record, because oh, tax dollars okay. are, huh? Okay. Yeah, so because our tax up. dollars, and you can look it up. So it's like, look at this SJW, she makes $80,000 a year to to tweet about how much she hates President Trump and talk about inclusion and diversity. Like there are SJWs who make a lot of money doing nonsense work.
0: With like, taxpayer money, it sounds like too.
1: Yes, with taxpayer money. So it's not, that un- it's not that for people like that, like that woman who's making 80 grand to talk about inclusion or whatever, Yes. Uh, this stuff wouldn't make sense to her.
0: Because- well, actually, you're pre- this is an interesting point, though, that you're bringing up. I don't think that job would exist in the free market. Maybe it would. But in order for her to get paid, someone had to point guns at other people, take half That's- their paycheck, and distribute it to her.
1: That's my point. And so, but she, she wouldn't understand what you're saying because she, but I get paid. And these people think they're worth this money. Like I get, but I get paid this much money to talk about my nonsense, to spread my ideology. So right. they don't, they wouldn't understand it. I don't think it, you get paid
0: because men with guns will right. shoot people who don't pay you. Right. <laughs> Basically.
1: Um, so this also makes me think of the mark. What's the Marxist thing that about, um, from each according, from, from each, each according,
0: according to his ability, ability, according to his need, yeah. it might be, but something like that. No,
1: that's it. From each according to his ability, to each according to his need. And here's the thing: they they believe in doing that by force, <laughs> like like not voluntarily. And so sometimes there's this verse I was looking for. I think it was. I think it's in Ephesians, uh, in the Bible. I can't. I can't remember. But there's a verse that they point to sometimes where it talks about. The new church and how they were all—they um, all sold all the possessions, and they were all together and everyone. Nobody owned anything because they all were just living in community. Yeah, right. And so they oftentimes I've seen SJWs who are not Christian, by the way, but will try and use the Bible to say, "Well, but look at this," and they're like they will point to that verse it's like, but they, that was a voluntary thing. That was, that was the community in the church deciding to live this way. It wasn't by force of state. It wasn't at the butt of a gun. It wasn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're totally right. There's a huge distinction there. And I've said this before, but in a free society, in a voluntarist society, even, even a, even a capitalist society with minimal government, no one would stop you from getting your buddies together and starting a commune and
1: yeah, you could, you stuff. could choose to do that. You can no choose, to choose to do
0: that. for that. That would be fine. You'd be allowed to go. You No one would be, be left alone. If you, if, if that system worked really well for you, great. And frankly, that system actually works more like uh, voluntarily, that system works all over the country every day. It's called the family. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what you do in a family. Kids have a lot of need, not a lot of ability. (laughs) You tend to give them. You tend to use your ability to give the people with the needs in your family, kids or a sick person or whatever it is. That you tend to act in a very uh, what seems what might seem like a sacrificial way, where you're like, you know, but but it's because you're in this family unit and you you're all there voluntarily no one's forcing you to do this and and this is the big big point it's meant it's meant it's it's set up that way because children are not ready to be self-sufficient and on their own and so they are not ready for the realities of surviving on their own you're supposed to grow up leave the family <laughs> and no longer be all about your need and having your need met by the world. That, your needs, when you're born, your needs, every need is met by your parents. As you grow, fewer and fewer needs are met by your parents. I don't spoon feed my 10 year old anymore, right? At one point I did. At some point, she will leave the house and I won't pay her rent, I won't buy her food, I won't buy her clothes, she will be on her own now obviously because i love her if she was on hard times you know come back to the basement or whatever like that's what parents do <laughs> fine but um this is a child like they what they've done is they've the the left has taken their their persona as a child with parents and they've taken it into the world with other adults and they're looking at the state going Mommy and daddy should provide health care. Mommy and daddy should make sure I have an allowance. Mommy and daddy should make, that's the mentality. Not, oh, this is the part where I'm responsible for myself. It's actually immoral. Because, by the way, mommy doesn't point a gun at daddy in order to have him pay my food.
1: Some mommies do. I'm just, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry what would you say? I just said some mommies do. Yes, no.
0: those mommies are in <laughs>
1: um well so i i hear what you're saying and i think that's a you're that's a big distinction between the the i don't know if you would call it their. it's not a part of their definition of morality i don't think maybe it is maybe maybe this plays into what they think is immoral and what's what's not immoral i think they believe it is immoral for the state not to provide health care and 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 they view that. okay so here's something i've noticed so Christians tend to donate more. Like they they give more money to charity. If you look at, yeah, so. Sorry, um, right. I,
0: mean, I guess that's not obvious to people. <laughs> it was obvious to me as an atheist, even. Of course, Christians donate more, <laughs> but maybe not everyone knows that, Carrie.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't know that. I didn't. And a lot of people on the left, I don't think know that. And because um, they have this stereotype of what Christians are that are, that's based on like the worst examples. So. Right anyway, Christians tend to donate more and they believe more. And it's that voluntary aspect and the church that I'm a part of now, it blew it. They blew my mind. Like if somebody has talk about, according to their need, if somebody has a need, the church is there to help, which is crazy. I mean, they do crazy stuff, stuff that sounds insane to me in terms of like pooling money and doing stuff for people in the community. That's like, who would do that other than family? Well, they are family. They view themselves as community. They're but it's
0: like vo- a family kind of thing, yeah.
1: Yeah, but it's voluntary. It's not um, well, and at it the all, butt of a gun, right? What? But it
0: all comes with responsibility, right? So it, if, it all comes
1: with responsibility. But w- if you squander
0: w- what they give you, they're not going to do it again,
1: right? But th- the point is, it's a voluntary thing. So, so people on the left, I don't think they. It's maybe it's that they think people, people wouldn't do stuff like that if the state w- weren't forcing it because they tend to want to they don't they don't donate as much but they want the government to take it from your pocketbook or from their that's pocketbook. just
0: projection because they they're like well i wouldn't donate if i wasn't forced so everyone should be forced
1: right i think they can't i think maybe that yeah you're right i think it comes from something internally because they're not look at beto what, how, what was he donating it was something insanely small what
0: <laughs> his time i don't know his time
1: yeah. yeah he basically was like well my contribution is myself.
0: Yeah, my contribution is
1: this. <laughs> 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 but yeah. but so it so look at let's take something like I don't want to go too far, Phil. But this you're just helping me make some connections here. So I went on a tour of through someone I met church got me hooked up with this. Um, I got to go on a tour of this place called Community First here in in Austin. Mm-hmm. and they provide um housing for homeless people they have like mini houses those little tiny houses and uh they have not this tiny but they have tiny houses <laughs> and they have they have like 200 or 300 or something beds i guess and they're teaching responsibility though you have to pay like a meager amount of rent like a small amount and you have they have diff- people have different jobs there but they're also integrating people into the community like there are people who live there who are not homeless and not there i think a lot of the people who some of the people who founded this place live there but it's a privately run funded by christians it's a privately run answer or an attempted answer or solution for the homeless problem and they're integrating people back into society so they have they have events and stuff there where people from the community, the surrounding communities come and engage and you're, they're teaching you how to be part of a a community again. They're not just giving you money or giving you needles or whatever all these, these state programs do. And, um, and I just was kind of, I was, I was blown away by, look, this is a private uh, donation based thing that's doing it right. So much so that they said they had been getting calls and visits from, like California they're they're getting calls from people in government and other places trying to figure out how are you doing this
0: well but the government can never repeat it because the reason it works is the money is voluntarily given and there is, and therefore there's also some accountability that that's required so Um, but when the government gets the money, it's not voluntary. So they can never build that inherent community based accountability when, when they give someone, look, if they, they charge someone a tiny bit of rent for a a tiny house or whatever, and they're trying to help them get back on their feet. If that person goes and robs a bank and, and does whatever, like, they're like, you're out like, or, or even if that person's just a horrible neighbor and, and being obnoxious and disrupting everyone else and saying, screw you. I don't, I don't. You know, I'm just taking your money and I'm not going to listen to you. Like, okay, well, we're done helping you. Like there will be consequences and those consequences. It's, it's only because the money's voluntary. Like if I, if I can, if I'm, if it's my generosity, that's helping you, I can withhold it if you're (laughs) misbehaving. But if it's, if it's taken from me by gunpoint, I'm no longer involved in whether that money is withheld from you or not, because the person handling it—it's not their money. They took—they took it for me. They're not gonna, you know, and and they might have different standards for when to withhold it and when not to withhold it. And frankly, we've talked about bureaucracy before. Like, they have a standard to make sure that they they keep getting more money and the problem gets bigger. So, like, it's it's totally inverse incentives. The one thing I do, so I I I know we got kind of went afield a little bit. The one thing I want to quickly say, Carrie, though, is. Uh, philosophically, and you may not agree with this, but uh, philosophically, I think the from each according to his ability to each according to his need, philosophically, that's immoral and corrupt. That's a horrible thing because what it does is it places need morally above ability. And without ability, you can never f- fulfill need. So, like, ability is necessary. Like, need, everyone has need all the time. We have need. What makes humans prosper is ability it's that they invent and do and make and create like that's primary not need so elevating need above ability is an moral inversion what i would say is you can generosity is fine you can say empathy for your fellow man is fine that's good you can say hey when you should feel empathy for people who are in need especially through no fault of their own you can encourage generosity, a good trait that's all nice but but ha- taking a moral statement and saying, "Well, need is morally superior to ability that's what ends up with communism and it's a reason there's a reason it's marx right, and there's a reason communism falls out of that, which is if you elevate need morally, suddenly you can use force to to like suddenly force matters because oh okay, well, if need is more important than ability, if ability is supposed to be doing this if 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 the able are supposed to be doing this, then we'll make them do it, right? Whereas if you say they can out of their generosity, it's nice, but they don't. there's no moral claim to their labor because you have need, right? That's the, the fundamental thing. Is need doesn't give you moral claim to someone else's property, right? Yeah. And that well, that's, vile thing.
1: That's the difference between that expression and that belief and the verse I couldn't find but I was thinking of in the Bible, which is, that's a choice to live that oh, way as yeah. community. It's not force. It's not the government saying you have to do that. Can I share something with you? I found this article. Yeah. Um, this is the piece I was mentioning when we talked a little bit about minimum wage yesterday um, from Huffington Post. And I, I read this. This is two years old now. Okay. This gives you insight. I remember yesterday you were like, do they really think this? And I'm like, yes, they think this. They believe that if you don't agree with them on policy, that it's not just that you're wrong and they're right, they believe that you're evil. And so this is the headline is, I don't know how to explain to you that you should care about other people. So this person's premise right there in the headline, their premise is that if you disagree with them, and look, here's the subheading, Um, our disagreement is not merely political, so they're saying it's not just policy, but a fundamental divide on what it means to live in a society. Right there in the headline, that tells you this person's entire premise is that if you don't agree with her on policy and politics, then you don't care about other people. And they believe that. And so one of her first examples here, and I'm bringing it up because it's minimum wage. I don't know how to explain to someone why they should care about other people. Personally, I'm happy to pay an extra 4.3% for my fast food burger if it means the person making it for me can afford to feed their own family. If you aren't willing to fork over an extra 17 cents for a Big Mac, you're a fundamentally different person than I am.
0: <laughs> right. And, and and Carrie, what's interesting about this is you've just said Christians are generally more generous, right? I mean yes, you just, they are. You brought that up. Um, so what this person's failing to understand is, first of all, uh, she's welcome to pay more. No one's stopping her from paying more, so... She, she can do that. What she's saying is, if you don't agree that you should be forced at gunpoint to pay more, you're immoral. Yeah. And even if you're willing to pay 4.3 cents or percent or whatever it was more, uh, that doesn't mean you're willing to do it at gunpoint. So if Carrie, if you say, Carter, can I borrow 20 bucks? I need to run to the store and get some, whatever it is. And I don't have 20 bucks on me. Sure. Carrie, here's 20 bucks. Pay me back later. If you point a gun at me and say, Carter, give me $20 because I need to run to the store. Cause I need it. Suddenly I'm feeling a lot less generous to you. So yeah. <laughs> that's the fundamental difference that if you're going to talk about morality, th- th- you know, if you're going to, I don't. I don't want to get into this discussion of like you don't care, you don't care, you don't. You know, each side doesn't care. But if you're going to get into morality, the people running around yelling about you needing to point guns at people or else you don't care, there's something wrong with them.
1: Yeah. Well, and and I brought I brought this up because this goes to my point from yesterday, which is that um, you may not agree with her about the four point seven cents or whatever she's talking about because. So she's saying, if you don't agree with me about raising the minimum wage, then you don't care about people. But she doesn't understand and hasn't considered that it's because they care about people, to go back to what we talked about at the beginning, that they don't agree with your policy because they see how your policy is impacting restaurant workers in New York. They see how it's impacting people in Seattle. Look at Seattle. Look at all the the, what's happening there after they raise the minimum wage.
0: Yeah, actually, this is a great segue, too, because she mentioned the Big Mac, right? right? For you, I don't think he's the CEO of McDonald's anymore, but for years, do you know what the background of the CEO of McDonald's was? I don't think so. He was a robotics and automation engineer. Now that should tell you something. Now, (laughs) now let's get into the practicality of this. Let's go back to the thing we were doing before. We take it to the extreme because taking to the extreme can give you some insights. Why not make what happens? So let's let's see. Does minimum wage have an effect on anything else or does it just result in people getting paid more? And you know, a tiny little increase in your price of your Big Mac. No big deal. Well, let's take it to an extreme. What if minimum wage was a million dollars an hour? Or let's just make it let's make it $1,000 an hour, $100 an hour even. Okay. Uh, what do you think would happen? Well, I guarantee so right now, there's someone, I I guarantee. I don't know McDonald's in particular, I guarantee there's someone right now trying to sell McDonald's fully automated robots doing a whole bunch of stuff that humans normally do at McDonald's. I guarantee it. Probably There's probably several people trying to sell McDonald's Corporation that kind of a solution. And McDonald's right now is doing some math in their head. They're going, well... Let's see. The robot is a million dollars per store. It's it's expensive. And then there's a little bit of maintenance. Right. Okay. Well, but we can pair, you know, right now employees cost this, by the way, employees cost probably 30 to 50% more than they make. People don't, people that don't run a business don't understand all the other costs that are associated with hiring an employee. Um, but so they're doing some math and so far, since we don't have robots serving all of our food in McDonald's, so far that math has been, it's not quite worth it yet. Can you, get the, can you bring the price of the robot down somehow? Can you do this? I'm not sure about that. Blah, blah, blah. Well, if suddenly they had to pay burger flippers $100 an hour, guess what would happen to that calculation?
1: It would oh. be the bot, Mac. That, that bot's looking really freaking
0: good. <laughs> I, it's totally worth it. Because I'm gonna amortize the cost and it's going, that's gonna be cheaper than what I would have to pay my employees. Now, obviously, we're not, no one's asking at this moment for a million dollars an hour or $100 an hour even. But the principle is the same. Raising from, going from 12 to 15 is very slight. And you might scoff at that and say, it's no big deal, it's just three bucks an hour. What's the big deal? Well, that three bucks an hour is multiplied out So first of all, there's overhead added. So it's probably closer to five bucks an hour. Then it's multiplied per hour per employee per store. Suddenly McDonald's is looking at this going, ah, maybe we should throw another million dollars to invest in uh, the research here to figure out how to get this automation thing going, because this is not a direction we want to go. And, and before you know it, automation happens sooner and consumers there's probably some advantage to have a person, right? Consumers are probably like, I'd rather deal with a person than a robot. But there's some point at which that breaks, or they're like, well, if it's five bucks for a Big Mac and it's a person, and it's 25 cents for a Big Mac and it's a robot, people will be like, I'll take the robot, <laughs> right? So, like, there's everything, everything affects everything else. Pennies here add up to millions of dollars over there. Decisions are made about this stuff, they're rational decisions that. The owners of McDonald's, which includes shareholders and, and everyone else, they make these decisions with their own product. This is their own, they own it, just like we talked about before, and they're going to make rational decisions about what to do with the business. So you see people get raise minimum wage. What happened in Seattle? What's happened in New York? Layoffs, layoffs, layoffs. Suddenly restaurants are like, oh well, I, you know, I can't afford, I can't afford that many people. I'm going to automate this section here, you know what i'm going to do i'm going to install iPads at every little uh, restaurant booth so people can order remotely uh, back to the kitchen i'm going to spend some 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 dude pitched me fifty thousand dollars system that's a lot for my little restaurant but fifty k uh you know it's worth it now if i've got to start paying fifteen dollars an hour i'll spend the fifty k outfit all the booths with iPads. people will order their food online and I'll I'll have fewer employees. All they got to do is bring the food out now and they don't have to order. Oh, that's great. And actually I can pay them less because having to take your order is actually a more difficult task than handing you a plate of food. So like it's, it's just a, it has all of these consequences. Um, and by the way, the other consequence it has (laughs) is people who aren't worth $15 an hour, whose, whose time isn't worth 15. I don't mean they're not worth it as humans, people who are offering their labor where that labor is not worth $15 an hour. They go, this, this is where under the table jobs go. This is where like suddenly they're going working for cash and maybe they're selling a little dope on the side. Like maybe you're pushing them into black market shit because they need to, they need to make money. And, and now they can't have a job. And this is the big problem with teenagers today. And a lot of entry level stuff when you remove, uh, I don't, was it Thomas soul that has the, the ladder and the first rung of the ladder analogy, or is it someone else?
1: Oh, I'm not sure.
0: So if you think about your career, your, your, your salary as rungs on a ladder, right? You start at the bottom And then you get a little experience and you're worth more and you can do more. So you go to the next rung and then a little bit more, you go to the next rung. I mean, before you know it, you know, if you're really, really good and really smart and, and the cards all fall right for you, you're the CEO of McDonald's or whatever it is. And you're making lots of money. And that does happen. People work their way up. Minimum wage is just chopping the bottom of the ladder off. Minimum wage is just like, oh, those bottom rungs, they're not allowed to exist anymore. So, you teenager who doesn't actually need a living minimum wage, you live with your parents, you're still going to school, but you do need to wor- learn about basic responsibility, how to show up at work on time, maybe how to do some regular menial tasks, how to operate the cash register, some basic stuff that actually could really help your viability in the market later, this employer is willing to take a chance on you, but maybe only for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 bucks an hour, not 15, you're not worth it. Well, you don't have the opportunity to learn those skills anymore. You're locked out of employment. And without the opportunity to learn those skills, you never learn those skills. So you're never worth $15 an hour.
1: It It hurts the people they think they're helping.
0: Minimum wage, heartless. Minimum wage is a heartless, heartless,
1: heartless well, and this is, this is in addition to the, all the people we've talked about, like in the first article, get, who get canned, who get their hours cut, and whatever. I, right. just, I just sent you an article. I can't open it because I've hit my limit on the New York Times, but I was wondering if you – I was looking for this. I, I don't I know it. if you remember, but a, a little over a year ago, a bunch of Hollywood actresses were like fighting for the minimum wage for waitresses. And waitresses were like – they basically – the. I, I think one of the actresses was like, you know, people shouldn't have to live on tips, right? And waitresses are like, "Hey, listen, famous, rich actresses, stay out of my business. I don't want a minimum wage increase. I want to continue to make a lot of money in tips." Thank you. Can you can you show this article? Yeah,
0: this is it's showing now. Amy Schumer, Amy Poehler, and other stars stand up for waitresses. The response: No thanks. <laughs> Go waitresses, right? But you know, th- this is right. This is the other thing. People complain about tips, right? Good waitresses often, not all the time, a lot of good waitresses like tips because they're really good at getting tips and they're better than their other waitresses. So they're getting paid more. And what's going to happen is if suddenly you're paying everyone a higher wage, people will tip less. And so you're actually redistributing wealth among good waitresses and poor waitresses are now getting, you're evening out wealth between people who, like, you're ruining the meritocracy, right? There's no longer a meritocracy. Oakland in California, Oakland uh, had, I, I don't know if it was all businesses, but a bunch of businesses in Oakland started doing like, we don't, you know, we pay a living wage to our Wait staff And so we don't, you know, you don't tip them and blah, 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 blah. And I blah. bet the
1: wait staff was like, this sucks.
0: <laughs> well, I, I don't know what the wait staff was like, but at, at the time I was, uh, doing lunch in downtown Oakland almost every day. So I was hitting all the restaurants all the time. The ones that were doing that, the service sucked. <laughs> they were the worst.
1: Yeah. Because and actually good, the ones I
0: can think about went out of business. I'm sure they all didn't go out of business, but like,
1: because the good weight staff doesn't want to work there because they're not getting tips anymore. Cause they're getting paid some dumb minimum wage that right. they were making more than anyway. Right. On tip and tips. Like that's what these actresses don't get. I find this so funny. Cause this is, this is just so, um, so symbolic. It's it's, it's what typical the left-
0: liberal elite, right? It's, yes.
1: You've got yeah. these champagne leftists who are like, we're here to help you. Just like, Oh my gosh. Just like how they got, who are those girls with the car racing formula one girls? And they got all those Formula One girls canned because they were like
0: I didn't see that. Yeah,
1: it's sexist. We don't we don't want people objectifying you Formula One girls, and it's like, hey, I was making good money as a Formula One girl.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: These like famous rich people stick their nose into we're here to help. (laughs) Anyway.
0: Yeah. Well, but and and that's the result. When you're driven by this is this is one of the problems with being driven by emotion. Uh, because it, you look at what's happening right before you and you want to do, you feel like doing the obvious thing. Oh, this person doesn't get paid much. They should get paid more. That, it feels like they should get paid more. And then there's zero analysis beyond that because you don't respect reason or logic or evidence or anything else. All you, all you respect is your feeling. So you're like, bah, minimum wage. They should get paid more. I'm like, okay. Actually, you're you're hurting those people because you're not willing to do math. You're not willing to take a look at the actual facts and see how they're affected by by that. So that's why, actually, I, I don't think I don't to be caring. I think requires reason and evidence. And to be a caring person means more than like just being emotional. You're not actually being a caring person. To be caring, you need the emotion to be the instigator, and then you need to engage your rational brain and figure out what's the actual thing to do that could help, and what's the moral, right, actual, useful, practical thing to do to help. And that's not raise minimum wage.
1: Tiger agrees.
0: Hey, Tiger, how you doing?
1: This is my little freeloader. (laughs) Anyway. I
0: think he provides value back to you. (laughs)
1: He does.
0: (laughs) Totally. I think he earns his wages from what I can tell.
1: Yeah, but sometimes when he's bad, I tell him I'm going to go sell him for $25.
0: So (laughs) you're a horrible person. (laughs) It's a good thing he doesn't understand you or that would make you a horrible person.
1: (laughs) Uh, This has been a fun one and I was only slightly bored about money.
0: That's good. Uh, Yeah, you were less bored than I thought you'd be about money.
1: Yeah, this interests me because it's also about... The elephant and all that stuff we talk about it's about people it's about people judging someone else's uh motives and judging their morality and stuff based on a, a difference in policy opinions and that stuff always interests me and
0: someday i will convince you that even the most esoteric money things are ultimately just about people and <sighs> their their lives
1: <laughs> boring
0: that's not today
1: yeah it's not today. <laughs> <laughs> thank you
0: everyone for watching please go don't forget to like subscribe share Carrie anything else you want to tell them have a great weekend what else
1: yeah we're going to be announcing this um, but again just to keep putting it out there uh, for people who want to do the next book club we did uh, brave new world already it was a really fun discussion we're going to be discussing um, 1984 by George Orwell on Sunday September 8th so you've got a few weeks to get that book read
0: All righty. thanks Carrie